Blog Talk Radio. Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, you gotta fight for your right! <laughs> And now, from the IMLD Home Studios, in its 11th season, you are listening to, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Now your host, Jay and Ray. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. You have indeed got in much less detail the podcast here with you live on a Sunday night, February the 4th, 2024. I'm Dre. He's Jay. We're in the middle of that vortex waiting between the conference title games and the actual big game, the Super Duper Bowl, next week between the 49ers and the Chiefs. What better way to spend that week waiting than, of course, to join us a little classier football party. It's not the usual hooping and hollering. We got our tuxedos. We got our finest silverware out. We've got the banquet going and we are ready to award the 2023 NFL honors and dishonors. Yes, it's the awards show giving away the awards that the league might be proud of and the definitely the awards that they don't want you to necessarily remember We recap it all, the things that happened during the past football season. We try to cover as much as we possibly can, and we try to have a whole lot of fun along the way. Jay, you ready to rock? I am ready. This is always fun. It's a a year-end culmination of our football party, but we're doing year-end awards. So these are, you know, each of us have our own categories. My categories are fairly set. Yours are as well, but then you have some, I know you like to have some extra ones because some of the things that we saw during the year, they need their own award. They do. Some people have earned the distinction of getting their own special personalized awards, and I try to take care of that. <laughs> yes. So, always fun. Uh, love these shows. We got a week till uh, our Super Bowl pick show next week. Uh, keep you in suspense for that another week here. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got all my charts and my numbers. No, I, I really don't. <laughs> what to say? You're going uh, metrics on us? You're going analytics? No, no, no I, I don't. Oh. Uh, I don't anticipate needing a lot of that for the for the Super Bowl show. But uh, I'm just ex- I'm excited that I'm not in the passenger seat. Or, or the, I'm not the backseat driver this year. Uh, I actually get to make the Super Bowl pick. Um, I'm, I'm excited about that. That's right, Jay. By virtue of being ahead this year, he's got to make the call. It's all the pressure's on him. No pressure on me this time. He's got to make the right call for the Super yeah. Duper Bowl. Although he already made that call on a previous show, if we were li- if you were listening. Now the the question is the the intrigue is: Will he be a man of his word? Will he man up 
and pick the team that he already pledged to pick, or will he flip-flop and go the other way? That's what we got to tune in for. See, that's what you have to tune in for, because I could tell you now, I could tell you right now, but I don't want to spoil anything. That's right. I, I, tease I, it out. People who listen to our show, people who were there, will, will recall that I said that you better snipe me, because <laughs> if the damn Chiefs make the Super Bowl, <laughs> I, 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 I'm taking them. So you better get the lead on me. Um, and by virtue of a Jamison Williams garbage time oh touchdown, oh. and you want to talk about me running the gamut of thrill of victory, agony of defeat, um, and you as well, vice versa, in the last couple of minutes of that NFC championship game, where it looked like you had done it and swiped away the lead, and we're going to earn that Super Bowl pick in an improbable fashion, and the uh, the Lions going to Lion, and they get all the way down there, and then instead of kicking the field goal, which would have still kept you the winner, they, they, they throw the garbage time touchdown, which I was all for, and I was having that no, 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 yes, 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 uh, last couple of minutes. And by virtue of, of that, we push for the week, and I get to pick the Super Bowl. And what, what a crazy week that was, but we're going to have awards for that on our next show That's when right. we get to do conference championship honors and dishonors today is all about um everything up until this point because i again i don't just sometimes the awards that i hand out are 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 colored or informed by postseason play or come directly from from postseason play because it's our show and we can do whatever we want exactly uh so the way we usually do it if you're new to the award ceremony the honors and dishonors uh, Jay, as he said, has a little more traditional awards, not all traditional, but his are pretty much the same every year. And then yep. I chime in with some of my own. Um, and then after he's done, I come back and give you some of my more personalized awards that some people have earned through the course of their actions throughout the year. And hopefully those will be uh, entertaining and, and fun for those of you listening. Uh, but the first part of the show was taken up by the traditional awards given out by my co-host. So at this point, I turn it over to Jay. Yes, and uh, we don't save the quote-unquote best last. Uh, I, I lead right off with MVP every year, get it out while we're fresh. Um, and then I know that you like to follow up with the shit. So That's right. My MVP, this was a weird year, probably one of the hardest years for me to pick because there was no clear-cut winner uh we had this a few seasons ago where you kind of had a season that was divided into sections where there was you know each guy kind of had their few weeks and their few moments to shine uh lamar jackson obviously he took over at the end of the regular season uh, by virtue of the ravens being the number one seed and then blowing out uh you know, two of the top teams in the league in stunning fashion in back-to-back weeks. So he got all the talk, but up to that point, we had been hearing at the very, you know, in the very first couple of weeks, it was, it was Tyreek Hill, right? You know, he was going to have 2,000 yards receiving. And then it was Brock Purdy. And it just, it just kept going, <laughs> you know. And, and nobody ever really, truly, I think, separated themselves to be this just sort of all-encompassing uh, season-long MVP, not not of the top guys. Uh, I'm going to go to a guy who got a lot of talk but didn't get necessarily, I, I don't think, as much credit 
for the, for the for their success for his team's success as as he should have. Um, and, and in years past, uh, you and I have agreed on these. Uh, we we've gone a little you know off the radar. Uh, one year we both went wide receiver. Uh, we both each took a different guy, which was weird, <laughs> but we both did. Uh, no, this year, who was the MVP to me across the entire season? Wildly productive season. Probably will only get talked about a, a, a little bit more now because their team made the Super Bowl. I'm giving my MVP to Christian McCaffrey. Who do you think you are? I am. And, and, and we would talk about each week, right, how we give that award out. Talk about under the radar. I don't know how many times either one of us gave our best of the week to Christian McCaffrey, but boy, was he just there every week. Uh, The 49ers this season did not lose a game in which he had at least 16 rushing attempts. Every game that he rushed the ball 16 times or more, including both of the playoff games, they won. But by the numbers, absolutely ridiculous here. 1,459 yards rushing, 5.4 yards per attempt, which is insane, especially with that kind of volume. 272 carries to average 5.4 yards per attempt, 14 touchdowns, and then you throw on top of that another 564 yards receiving, puts him over the 2,000 category, uh, which is just enormous when you have somebody go over 2,000 all-purpose yards another 8.4 yards per reception, seven more touchdowns, receiving 21 total touchdowns. The catalyst in that offense, it is not Brock Purdy. The engine that makes that team go is Christian McCaffrey, instrumental also in both of their big comebacks, uh, You know, especially against Green Bay, getting loose, catching passes in the playoffs. So I'm giving it to the whole body of work of the entire season. Give the man the ball at least 16 times and your team wins. I'm giving it to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, He was indeed the uh, epitome of consistency. And that's probably why we didn't uh, award him best of the week. Right. Uh, I don't know if he did it any week because he was just, he didn't have the, oh my God, you know, 250 yards rushing and, three touchdowns. He didn't have one of those weeks. I think he did have a four touchdown week uh, one time, but he was more so just very consistent and always there, like you said, and kind of going against his reputation in Carolina. He uh, seemed to be injury prone there. Um, Held up, was not injury prone, uh, was very, very instrumental to the 49ers' success to that offense. Yeah, I figured you wouldn't give it to the uh, to the game manager quarterback. I, I figured you wouldn't do that. <laughs> but uh, but no, I don't have any argument at all with Christian McCaffrey as as an MVP. Um, it, it's hard to imagine, even with all those weapons that team has, it's hard to imagine him being in the Super Bowl without Christian McCaffrey. I really think that he's as uh, uh, definitely the most valuable of all of those weapons. Even even more than Debo Samuel, who I did give my the shit to one year. Yeah. Or actually, you gave him. Of the shit, it was. I, I, did. I remember now. You gave him the shit. It was the year that we picked wide receivers. Except yours was Debo and mine's was Cooper Cups. I remember that it was a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, even more than Debo, even more than George Kittle, even more than Brandon Ayuk, 
Uh, McCaffrey, yeah, he is the engine of, of that incredible offense. If he's not doing what he's doing, then uh, nothing else works because you can now get up on the receivers. You can you know, try to bracket them and double them and all that, but you can't do that as long as McCaffrey's out there because he's such a weapon. So um, absolutely no argument with Christian McCaffrey uh, as your MVP. Uh, we do not have the same. I, I, he is not my the shit, but I, I think he would probably have been either my second or third choice. Uh, I, I really did consider him uh, greatly uh, to make him uh, the shit. But my pick for the shit uh, and my criteria for who's my – this is my version of an MVP for any new listeners. Uh, but it's a little different criteria, uh, obviously, by the title of the award. Uh, it's the guy I think was the shit. Uh, it's the guy that – he might not be the most valuable, but he's the guy of all the players in this incredible league – with all these talented football players, he's the guy that most most weeks, most times this year made me sit back and go, damn, he's the shit. And you're right. This was a, a tough year, uh, even by that criteria. Uh, it, it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of great performances, but it was a little more spread out, a little more even. There wasn't one guy that just shot to the front and, you know, and declared himself the man like Justin Jefferson uh Couple years ago, was uh, was that last year or a couple years ago? I don't remember that we yeah, both I had think that him. Was last year, he was your MVP and he was my the shit because he was just so dominant and uh, what he did. Uh, so there, I don't know if anyone did that this year. So my pick for the shit is you. You, you mentioned him already, so it, it shouldn't be controversial, but it probably won't be a lot of people's thought for MVP or best player in the league or anything like that, but. Man, when you talk about a guy uh, that, like you said, threatened 2,000 yards receiving. Yeah. 119 catches for 1,799 yards, 13 touchdowns, 15.1 yards per catch. And this is more of an MVP criteria than the shit. But when he was off the field, good God, that team was different. The Miami Dolphins, record-setting, 70-point scoring offense, but – when he was not there, it it, looked, it broke down. It, it was a fine-running machine. It was a, a brand-new Corvette. And when he was off the field, it was a clunker. It was a jalopy. Um, and it, it was kind of stark to, to realize how important he was to this great offense. Uh, but even taking that criteria out just from the play, just watching him get on the field and run his routes and make his cuts and just fool everybody and nobody could keep up with him, he was – uh, like a, a whirling dervish uh, looking similar to what he looked like in Kansas City. He was obviously a great player in Kansas City, but it seemed like he was even more hard to guard in Miami now with this newfangled offense with Mike McDaniel. Uh, so it, it looks like he's even more dangerous right now, if that's even possible. So very close call. Nobody really, nobody really jumped out. But to me, I think by a hair, the most times this year watching Tyreek Hill Tyreek, you were the shit. Yeah, probably the only player that, that in the league that I can think of where no matter where you have the ball, you, you can score. If he, if you get him the ball, you can score a touchdown on every time he could get the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the biggest deep threat in the league, catch and run, you name it. Uh, that, that offense really relied on him a lot. And yeah, yeah, 
Uh, it was a shame that uh, they couldn't get that home game. <laughs> it's a shit that they that they had to go and play in, in in six below or whatever it was wind chills, and we got to watch that you know high flying offense basically uh, you know shrink, shall we say? In the, no, that's in a, the cold. That's a great point to bring up that I didn't bring up. Who was the only motherfucker on the Dolphins in that game Tyree that did Hill. anything? Tyreek Hill. Tyree the Hill. only one that only had one. any interest in playing. Everyone yeah. else wanted to get on the plane and go home. Well, he Everybody. played in Kansas City. Right. So, so he, he knows. He, he, he knew. He clearly was not too phased by the conditions. Right. He just went out there and did what he did and scored a touchdown. The only touchdown the Dolphins scored in that entire game belonged to Tyreek Hill. So another point in his favor for him being the shit. But again, a season where, yeah, no, I don't think anybody really separated themselves. But for your award, that's perfect because every time they throw him the ball, you go, oh, oh, oh you know. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I love Lamar Jackson. I love the season he put together. But I'm a little puzzled by this rush to anoint him the MVP. Like, uh, okay, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm so late. Yeah, and I don't. And the and honestly, the rush came from the fact from all the top people that you would have expected, you know, Mahomes and Allen, and you know, all these guys who you would have expected were eh, I, you know. But so I think yeah. there was that that desperation. People were clinging to we have to get somebody, you know, we have to make somebody the MVP, and they had that run where they where they, where they blew out those teams back to back, and. That was, oh, well, it's Lamar, obviously. You know, Ravens are you know, 13-win okay. team, so of course it's Lamar. <laughs> uh, even Purdy, who they were trying to anoint, uh, went on that three-game losing streak, and that kind of wiped him down. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, now, I, 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 I still, I still want to – I'm still going to say that was the concussion, but <laughs> um, uh, – Maybe. That, that all kind of coincided with that uh, – that, that, you know, head-butting into the line against Minnesota, and then he wasn't, and as he shook off the cobwebs, that offense started to look right again. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's funny because for that three-week period, everybody had written him off. You know, he's a right. bum, you know. It's not like, <laughs> it's like a bunch of Bear fans. Right, from MVP to, oh, he can't play at all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to your least valuable of the year. Least valuable player. Uh, I'm I, I'm giving this to a group of players. Okay. So I can't just give it to, to one. I, I know it would be easy to pick on one, but I'm giving this to a group. And I'm going to give this to Kansas City wide receivers not named Rishi Rice. <laughs> All of them. All of them. MVS, Sky Moore, Kadarius, Kadarius, Tony, <laughs> Nicole Hardman, Richie James, those five gentlemen, Justin Watson gets a pass because um, ah, he, okay. he didn't do anything to, to to cost his team a game. And we clearly know, you clearly know that he's like the, anytime he's on the field, he's the fourth or fifth read. Um, and, no, nothing wrong with him. You know, good, good job, Justin Watson. You barely escaped um, getting called out here. So you and Rishi Rice get a get a pass. But Marcus Valdez Scantling and uh, Kadarius Tony, most specifically, uh, directly cost their team gains, drops, um, with balls bouncing off of chests, with lining up off sides. 
you you name it, those guys were there, and then they also at the same time weren't there. Uh, with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, all those guys I just mentioned, MVS, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, Mecole Hardman. I, I hate to jump on like Richie James or any of those, but but let's just throw him in there too. Yeah, what the hell? None. This is going to blow you away. None of those guys, none, averaged more than 20 yards per game receiving for the season. Ugh. 20. Ugh. <laughs> it was the Kelsey and Rice show, and that was it. And that team, with those guys, got to the Super Bowl. I mean, this is if this isn't LeBron first time through with Cleveland, um, <laughs> For Patrick Mahomes, I don't know what is because there's no trust in any of those guys. Anytime the ball goes to any of them, you you expect it to go on the turf or something really bad to happen or there's going to be a fumble, you know. Uh, just awful, awful performance out of that wide receiver room and, and only by the virtue of Rishi Rice sort of ascending above that group. Um and almost getting himself a thousand yard season. I think if, if if Mahomes had figured it out sooner, he probably would have gone over that thousand yard threshold. Um, but what an awful wide receiver room to have. And none of none of those guys stepped up their game. Mahomes was not able to step up their game. But when I saw that, and I looked through the numbers, and I wanted to pick on one of them. I just had to pick on them all to just look at that group with Mahomes as your quarterback, and none of you guys could get over. 20 yards per game average is oh, that's awful. That yeah, that that's not a big t- big task to get to 20. <laughs> no, <laughs> that wouldn't seem like it. And uh, terrible performances by all of them, and three of them, uh, three plays specifically. You know, a big drop by Scantling, and then uh, the ball that bounces off of Tony's chest for a pick six against Detroit, and then the offsides heard around the world. Three losses you could attribute directly to those guys. So I got to give it to them all. They were the least valuable players, and their team is still in the Super Bowl. Those guys could get (laughs) rings. The AFC champions. You you just called out the entire receiving core of the AFC champions. I did. (sighs) Um, You know what? It's well-earned by all those guys, but only one of those dudes <laughs> was so bad that the team had to make up injuries to deactivate him week after week after week. Oh, yeah. And that would be Kadarius Tony. And I called that a month ago. I said, uh, dude has got drizzling shits locked up. So my least valuable player award, I call it the drizzling shits. We got the shit. That's the, the guy that did the most good. And the drizzling shits, the guy that did the most bad to me and Kadarius Tony had the drizzling I, I don't know if I've ever seen someone lock up drizzling shits as early in the year as he did because he was so bad like you said losing games like literally yacking balls up in the air perfectly throwing balls right on his hands that he tips up in the air for INTs uh, going the other way um, and, if, and like you said the, the offsides heard around the world 169 yards for the season, 169 yards, 100, not 600, not 169 receiving yards in 13 games. I didn't bother to do the average for that. It sucks. It's, that's just terrible. 
Uh, if you can take out a calculator and do 169 divided by 13, right, then you'll know it, what he did per game. Thir- 13 yards per game. That's I'm looking right terrible. at it. That's terrible. Terrible. 15.1 yards per catch, but it's it's the ball. Uh, I'm sorry, that's Tyreek Hill's number. I I'm, I'm completely apologize. I fucked something up already. That was Tyreek's numbers. He wishes he had 15.1 yards per catch. Uh, he had a uh, Tony had a laundry list of mistakes uh, that you pointed out. A lot of them uh, culminating in the Week 14 game against the Bills. Uh, like you said, the offsides heard around the world. Which, of course, the most famous part of that is that it wiped out an unbelievable play that he and Travis Kelsey made that yep. would have won the game with a touchdown. Kelsey with the uh, the catch and then the lateral backwards to Tony racing in for the touchdown. Except. <laughs> Tony had already lined up all sides and and uh, ruled out any good that could have come from the play because there was a flag and, and it was going to be going to get called back uh, no yeah. matter what happened. Uh, so that guy and and as a result of that, the Chiefs have since deactivated him. Said he was hurt with some phantom injury. Tony had to come out on social media and say, "I'm not hurt. I don't know what they're talking about." I'm not. I'm fine. I can play. They just don't want to play me. Uh, and then they de- deactivated him. And then they threw some personal uh, label on one of his deactivations because he happened to be really, actually, legitimately out uh, tending to the birth of his his child. Right. But besides that, basically they're benching him and giving him a phantom injury because that's how bad he's been. All these other dudes that you're talking about, Valdez, Scantling, and uh, Nicole Hardman, all these other losers, they're, they're all bad. But only one has been so bad that the Chiefs have had to find a way to deactivate him and make up phantom injuries because they don't want him anywhere near the field again. Because if he got on the field and made another mistake, I think Patrick Mahomes will be in jail for homicide. So that guy, Darius <laughs> Tony, you were the drizzling shit. Oh, Yeah. So, 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 kind of kumbaya there. I think we both saw the writing on the wall, Ooh. and I, I looked, but then I, I, I just looked at that overall group. It was just like, just ick. <laughs> just carrying that group to the Super Bowl. Um, Patrick Mahomes, that defense, uh, which is not get talked about enough. Um, those guys, those guys were in the Super Bowl. Put him in the Hall of Fame now if he wins a title with that receiving core. Don't even give him the five-year wait after he retires. Just put him in now. Oh, no, that's just they've completely just consolidated that offense. That's three dudes now. That's Pacheco, Kelsey, and Rice. That's it. That's it. He ain't going nowhere else. That's it. Andy Reid's got an easy job. Just scheme those three guys. Here it comes and try to stop it. That's right. (laughs) The ball's going to one of those three. Oh. So your well, next, uh, your next award. Good start. Yeah, I, I'll rifle off a few here, but uh, I've got my the rest of my slate uh, ready to go. I'm going to move on to quote of the year. Quote of the year. Quote of the year. And uh, boy, uh, I'm, I'm going to end up picking on these guys a couple of times uh, during the the show here. But I'm going to attribute my quote of the year to George Pickens. <laughs> George Pickens, with his quote, I ain't want to get an injury. <laughs> Explaining his absolute lack of effort 
that this is going to be a common theme with Pittsburgh wide receivers on this show tonight, uh, why he wouldn't block for his running back during a, during a loss to the Colts. It, it, it made no sense. He just, just wouldn't. I, I ain't want an injury. I ain't want to get an injury was Pickens' answer because he, he right. tried to explain this away is that he had just seen what had happened to Houston wide receiver Tank Dell uh, getting caught up in the pile um, on a like a wide receiver draw and everybody tried to almost do like a running back tush push and he, he, Tank Dell gets rolled up on. So George Pickens uses that to earn himself a spot in the doghouse, um, which uh, his other fellow wide receiver, who we'll talk about later, uh, also did during the season. And again, somehow Mike Tomlin got that group to the playoffs. Amazing. He always does. It, it never fails. He's going to get that, that, that group to the playoffs somehow. So all the dumb things or all the things that were said, and, and I, I find all, but that quote stuck with me. I didn't call it out <laughs> as much when it happened because I liked that quote so much. I ain't want to get an injury. George Pickens. Uh, Thank you, sir. Uh, that should definitely be on a plaque somewhere. Yeah, it is in the Hall of Infamy. Not in the Hall of Infamy, but <laughs> no. it's in the Honors and Dishonors. Well, it, it may be in the trophy. Hall of Infamy one day. <laughs> send him his trophy. It might be. Send him his trophy for quote of the year <laughs> with the I ain't want to get an injury. <laughs> I, well earned. I, um, I, I wasn't aware of all of his uh, justifications and uh, quotes around some of his actions, but, yeah, he had some actions that were just head-scratching this year. Yeah. Yeah, and his running mate, who we'll talk about later. Um, mm-hmm. Best play of the year, and I, I struggled with this one because, you know, there's a lot of great plays during a season. But there was one play that ended up having so much of an impact and was a great play, and it never happened. <laughs> but to me... That was the play of the year. And we're talking about, of course, the aforementioned Kadarius Tony offsides. But Travis Kelsey, with the most heads-up play you'll ever see, doing the lateral pitch perfect strike back to Tony, who runs it into the end zone and gives the Chiefs the win, except for the fact that he lined up a yard past the line of scrimmage, <laughs> Tony did, and it took it off the board and gifted the Buffalo Bills a win. So, it ended up being a season-altering play. She still ended up making the Super Bowl, but by virtue of that play, they had to go to Buffalo, probably play a tougher game than they were expecting, only getting a three-point win what a, in, in a wild finish. And that all happened because Kadarius Toney lined up offsides on the play that never happened, but I'm guaranteeing you is still going to be shown forever as an all-time yeah. highlight. Sure. It was a hell of a play that didn't count. So, so even though it didn't happen, I'm telling you right now, Travis Kelsey, when he, on the highlight reel, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, because he will, he's a, he's a hofer, mm-hmm. um, that play's going to show in the reel. And even though it almost, never happened. Almost buttressing my case for, for drizzling shits. They, uh, the Chiefs have to come back as a result of that penalty. They have to go to Buffalo, mm-hmm. as you said, in the playoffs instead of hosting the Bills, which is their annual ritual. Right. Uh, and as a result of Patrick Mahomes now having to go on the road in the playoffs, which he never had to do, 
the Chiefs deactivate Kadarius Tony to make sure you ain't doing this shit again. You are not fucking yeah. this game up and having a, a finding a way to lose this game that we have to go to Buffalo to play because of your ass in the first place. So they just made sure they just get, they got him basically uh, in a Houdini box with a with a straight jacket on and a lock and a and a you know, bad lock. Oh yeah, they're not letting him anywhere near the field because of the way that he messed up so many things this season. Oh no, they locked him in the dungeon. He, he's he's done <laughs> and threw away the key. And he'll be and he'll be DNP coach's decision. I'm guessing for the Super Bowl, even though he's practicing. Quote, yeah, he's practicing <laughs> right now. But I, I've got a feeling that uh, if he is active for the Super Bowl, he'll be lucky if he even shows up uh, as a gunner on special teams. Right. If they let him on the field at all. Yeah. No. Uh, they have figured out their offense, like I said, and he ain't part of it. That's right play of the year and boy don't we have a laundry list um boy howdy uh yeah there, there could be a whole long list of worst plays of the year but there was one and it's very recent that stood out to me as being so egregiously awful that you and i couldn't help but give awards to it when it happened it was so bad and laugh at it on this show it was so bad um and ironic but i'm going back only two weeks to give this to comeback player of the year, Damar Hamlin's fake punt run against the Chiefs in the playoffs on fourth down when the when the Bills were reeling, the Chiefs had just taken the lead. Bills didn't know what to do in their own territory. Decide to snap the ball directly to Damar Hamlin back from the dead, literally, <laughs> and he runs right up into the line and get stuffed, turnover, ball back to the Chiefs. What were they thinking? You gave it a WTF. I gave it my stupidest of the week. It was one of the worst things that you'll see all season. It made no sense. Strictly fan service. Comeback player of the year, DeMar Hamlin. You do get an award. Worst play of the year. Yeah, and it's not the poor guy's fault because you got a whole coaching staff that is looking at the the personnel on the field for for this punt, uh, looking at the, the the down and distance, looking at the ten men on the field for uh, for Kansas City and thinking, all right, here we go, we can get away with this. Not taking into account that's not a running back, and you, you're not trying to get a yard or two. He's five yards away. What are you doing? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was very all very it was all play. around. The worst play doesn't always mean it was the the player's fault. No. He had no chance. None. He had no chance. It, it worst play can also be a bad play call, a bad decision, bad execution. That play was everything. Mhm. And snapping it to your 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 gadget guy who barely touches the ball, who's who's a backup backup safety who very rarely ever sees the field, if at all, it, come on. It was for the pop. It, it really felt like a WWE move. We called it out when it happened. You're, we're texting each other. You, you, you rightly gave it the Danielle of the week, and it, was, it still sticks out in my mind. Of all the other plays that were bad this year, that still sticks out to me. What are you going to game 72-71? 
and because it was in a, a moment where they're in the middle of a great battle with the Chiefs yeah. in this playoff game. It's living up to the drama. It's uh, Like I said at the time, it wasn't a perfectly played game, but it was uh, as much as you could ask for for a TV show. It was a great, great TV show. And it was drama. It was great drama. Uh, and the Bills find themselves down at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and they go, "Okay, we got to do something. We we can't lose this game. We, ah, we're panicking. We're gonna we're gonna call a fake punt. <laughs> yeah, on fourth and five. Yeah, in, in in our side of the field, and we're gonna give it to a guy that's not a running back. What 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 the hell are we doing? No, that's uh, that's a very worthy pick for for worst play of the year. The the irony in that being. Uh, Josh Allen spending all year making Bills fans go crazy with panicky plays and arm punts mm-hmm. and really bad decision making, uh, and at the end of the day, it was actually his coach that that did the panic move. So, which was that's, funny. That's not good. It's exactly what I was thinking as you were talking. There was you know going through that was that yeah Allen doesn't go out there and, and throw all the yaha balls in that game, but right. they definitely have their yaha moment, and that was it. That was it. That's absolutely right. So that was, to me, was the worst play of the year. In a season of many, as as always, um, that was the worst. I could have have easily given the Tony offsides worst play of the year for wiping off the best play (laughs) of the year off the board. I could have played both angles there. Um, That was so impactful. But I'm going to go to best rookie. This one's easy. C.J. Stroud, you're the man. <laughs> um, you you got yourself some some undeserved but timely MVP talk on your run that you went on, but number two pick in the draft uh, probably should have been number one. Goes to Houston, wins the division. I mean, yes, the Jaguars absolutely you know turned to yeah, dust during the season. Yes, uh, blowing blowing big leads in the AFC South has just become a thing now. Um, <laughs> Jaguars and the Titans the last two seasons, but by the numbers, C.J. Stroud, uh, 63.9% completion percentage, 4,108 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt. I believe that is elite. Elite. 23 touchdowns, five picks, monster season for C.J. Stroud. Um, Can't take anything away from him. Played great, uh, you know, Obviously, wasn't as big as the moment, and that team wilted under the Baltimore defense, especially in the second half in the playoffs. We said it at the time, not taking anything away from the season that C.J. Stroud had. Uh, great things coming for that young man, is you know, health permitting. Absolutely phenomenal season. Uh, you and I had many an award for him this last season. Well deserved. I, I'm not going to get pithy. I'm not going to try to be the smartest guy in the room. C.J. Stroud was the best rookie. Yeah, I kind of thought you might get a little cute, but then I remembered you have a different award that you're going to probably uh, uh, give a different rookie uh, some flowers that he deserves. But for best rookie, yeah. uh, For for best rookie, C.J. Stroud, yes, very, very deserving choice. Uh, At one point this year, I think we both, gave him the uh, the best of the week is, and we both had the same line about him like CJ Stroud is him. Yeah. He has shown and late in the season he too. Him. He showed up multiple times. Mhm. Yeah, he, he had a stretch there. He was playing as as well as pretty much any quarterback in football. So, 
amazing to see that out of a rookie. He showed unbelievable poise. He showed uh, a knack for making the, the big play exactly at the right time. Um, he had a, a game where he came right out uh, on the first play of the game and hit a 75-yard touchdown. It's like, okay, they, they're they not even messing around anymore. It's like, okay, we're going to do this to you, and you can't stop it. Yeah. Uh, so it, it makes it a very bright future indeed for, for C.J. Stroud. And I think you can take the probably off of that uh, number one pick. Yeah, he should have been the number one pick. He should have been the number one pick, yeah. Uh, worst rookie. Uh, goes to that number one pick. Boy, I, I hate I hate to be obvious, right? Yeah. I couldn't give I, – I will never give – I have an unwritten rule that I will not give least valuable and worst rookie to the same player. Because it was tempting to give Bryce Young worst player of the year. I, I, I'll be honest. It, it, was, it was very, very tempting. Uh, Bryce Young, by the numbers, a- absolutely horrible season. Uh, we're going to talk about some stri- some non-elite numbers here, so get your uh, your bag ready. Subpar. Uh, six, 16 games, he played every game. Good job. You stayed healthy. It's the best thing I can say. Very similar to uh, Trevor Lawrence in his least valuable rookie season that I gave him. Uh, go back, close your eyes right now, and try to think of Bryce Young highlights, and you can't think of any. Uh... You won't think of any. Uh, even that one 300-yard game that he had against the Pat, you, you, you won't think of any. Uh, Bryce Young, 59.8% completion percentage. Of all the qualifying quarterbacks, by the way, in the yep. NFL, there was only one other quarterback that qualified that had less than a 60% completion oh. rate. And that Ooh, was the guess, rookie, I... Will Levis. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, Will Levis was the only other one who had a sub-60% completion percentage. So 59.8% for Bryce Young, uh, 2,877 yards. It means he only threw for 180 yards per game. Uh, That sounds about right. It felt like every game he threw for 180 yards. So that sounds right Well, Mr. Stats, we just talked about C.J. Stroud with the uh, elite yards per attempt. Bryce Young, 5.5. Oh, that is definitely not elite. Uh, of all the qualifying quarterbacks in the league, that was DFL. Um, yeah. Played all 16 games, managed to throw 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, uh, 862 sacks in the meantime. His coach got fired. The, the coach that was, like, brought in to, you know, groom him, offensive yeah. mind, Frank, you know, just off, so the whole organization – in the tank, they don't even get to earn the number one draft pick that they rightfully should have because they were dumb and traded it away for the right to draft the worst rookie quarterback in the league and by far the worst rookie by the numbers. I usually try to dig deep and again try to. Sometimes you gotta just go with the chalk. Bryce Young was bad. <laughs> he was beyond bad. He was, he was atrocious. Yeah, awful. <laughs> And we said it every week. We're like, what, this, why is he not getting better? At why he's playing every game, but he just the, when when you watched his games too, it was obviously the numbers are terrible. But even when you got a chance to watch him, his processing was Atari twenty six hundred slow. It was just like get get rid of the ball. What are you yep. doing? He just the, the point of playing every game as a rookie is to get the experience so that the the speed of the game 
eventually is something that's not a problem. That you, you just everything speeds up after a while if you get enough reps. Except he never seemed to get to speed up. Like I, I don't know if it's going to ever happen for him. But, uh, it, it did not happen in this first year, that's for sure. So uh, no brainer pick for worst rookie. He was absolutely terrible. Yeah, there was no growth. I, I think no. The, the, yeah, you you would expect to see some sort of a trajectory through the season, or or even a peak, right? Maybe a peak and then you fade late because you know season's longer than it is in college and you get tired. But no, no, he he had no peak. It was his valley and then another valley and then another one and another. Yeah, five point five yards per attempt. That that. that ugh. <laughs> And, and just look at the game logs. You get the, the one 300-yard game, and then every other game, 170, 180, 190, yeah. 180. It's just like, where, where is the improvement? It's, it's, it, was, it was weird. It's, I, I don't understand. Uh, I guess, it, you know, it's, it's only one year, so it's really hard to judge. But, oh, my God, yeah. it looks like a terrible mistake by the Panthers. Yeah, and the good news, and I'll say, I say it every year, is getting worse rookie is not the death sentence it was when we started doing this. Like, we've had back from being the worst. Sure. And, if he gets some coaching, he, he gets into a system, you know, he, he he's gets some players around him. They, they clearly, they don't have that number one pick, but they, they need to do some things. Um, that's a weird division that he plays in. It's usually a winnable division every year. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't think this is necessarily a death sentence for, for the young man, but it did not look good. It's not, but, the the Panthers have to do well in hiring in order for him to succeed, and that's asking yes. a lot. Yeah, that that organization is bottom, probably bottom five right now when you talk about owner, GM, uh, everything. You know, uh, not good. So uh, we talk I'll about talk bad about organizations later. a lot. We don't, you know, we we don't crap on the Panthers a lot. We we didn't give them a lot of rewards other than their owner spilling beers on the fans. Um. <laughs> But yeah, Bryce Young flew under the radar all year for how bad he was, but he was because he was just so consistently bad. There's kind of nothing to talk about every week. Like they're bad. he's bad, and they lost again. That's basically it. Yeah. Uh, you you telegraphed this Ricky steal of the draft again. Oh, you yeah. know I usually, you know I usually try to go really deep on this one, and you don't have I to go that deep. At, I didn't have to go that deep because this young man almost won Rookie of the Year uh, <laughs> yeah. as far as I was concerned. I'm going to the 42nd of the fifth round. That's when you start getting into compensatory pick time when you're the 42nd pick of the fifth round because there's only 32 teams, so that's usually yeah. compensation time. Uh, Puka Dakua, take a bow. Um, that late off the board to have a season like this, 17 games. 105 receptions, 1,486 yards, and six touchdowns. Wow. And then, just for just to put the cherry on top, goes out in a one-point loss at Detroit in the playoffs and goes nine for a buck 81 um, in his first ever playoff game. Uh, Puka Nakua made himself a name right off Right off the bat, huge games at the beginning of the season in the absence of Cooper Cup, and then Cooper Cup came back, and no, it didn't matter. He, he just kept it going all season long. Matthew Stafford um, fed him the ball. That young man 
one hell of a season, and if it hadn't been for what C.J. Stroud did, he'd probably be my best rookie of the year. Sure. I can't say anything else about that. He he clearly is the best value when you get somebody uh, in the fifth round that puts up those kind of numbers. Um, Right off the bat, like you said, first game of the year, he made a name for himself. Last game of the year in the playoffs, he made a name for himself. They didn't lose the playoff game because of him. That's for damn sure. Uh, Can't say anything else about Puka Nakua except uh, the greatness of his play took away from the uniqueness of his name because – that was my name of the year. I wrote that down early on. Like, you, you, <laughs> you don't get a lot of guys named Puka Nakua doing damage in the in the wide receiver core in the NFL. But uh, it just shows another part of the uniqueness of his story and his success. Uh, yeah, that was my my guy, my name of the year, and what a what an outing for Puka Nakua. And and I chuckled at reading some different uh, football writers who were like that toward the end of the year they were kind of jokingly writing on social media like you, you, you realize uh cooper cuff's not the lead receiver on the rams anymore it's 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 puka yeah. nakua uh and I, I i think they're right seven 100 yard receiving games this season man out of nowhere out of the fifth round out of brigham young i believe so how about yeah. that yes out of byu three three games over 150 man not including the 181 at Detroit in the playoffs. Uh, didn't fall off, huh? No no rookie nope. slump for him at the he end? Saved, he saved the best for last. Um, wow. Good story of the year. Overriding. What was the story of the year? And get your barf bag. I was about to say, I hope you're honest with what the story of the year, because obviously the story of the year is something that would not be sit well with you. It's it's this Taylor Swift shit, man. Tay Tay, gotta be. It's the story of the year. It's this. It's the storybook. Oh, Travis Kelsey <laughs> sends her tweets. Oh, hey, come and come and watch me play. And then they do it, and uh, and there's everything that's happened ever since then. We, you know, you've got all the all the the jersey sales. They're talking about how many. How, billions of dollars in revenue and cross promotion that just, just the, just the value of this relationship has brought um, to football and to the NFL and, and also cross back the other way to the eyeballs on, on Taylor Swift and love it, hate it. I, you know, for me, it's hate it, but there's people who love it <laughs> um, all the way now to the Super Bowl, The thing we did not want to see. Um, is going to happen, and yes, undeniably the story of the year. It it took over everything, for good, for bad. Everybody had an opinion on it, right? Nobody was indifferent to this situation. It was very polarizing, and it. But but overall, since since it started, it you know it was you know cameras on her and she had the game all you know the the, the you got to cut to her dancing and going out there on the uh, whatever I'm done with it but I am a man that's honest about the things I saw this season and for good or for bad that was the story of the year. I'm glad you actually called it like it is and it didn't try to ignore it. That was obviously the story of the year in the NFL. It was everywhere. It was insane. 
Uh, yeah, very polarizing. Would would you say the opinion about her would be right down the, the down the middle? Hey, it was right down the middle, Daddy. And now I'm just making up reasons to play Sam I, Sorry, I did that. I I did my my bill of bill of founds on that one. I even though <laughs> okay. I didn't want to, I still called that one right down the middle. I was also laughing because your your uh, our our biggest fan, the one listener, your mom is is uh, sending me messages when you said that, and she goes, "Taylor is a psyop." I'm like, "Jeez, <laughs> everywhere, even your mom has an opinion." Uh, nobody nobody has a an opinion about this. Everyone's that, got that, an that, that, that's it. a non-opinion. Everybody right. Has something to say about it? Yeah, even, even, yeah, even Taylor's a psyop. That that's a popular opinion right now. <laughs> oh, it's uh, yeah. Everyone's got a, got an opinion, like you said. That's about all you can say about it. So yeah, good on you for story, correctly. Yeah, the story of the out. year doesn't have to be a good story. Uh, we've had that many times. <laughs> right. And I don't look at this as a a good story. I'm sick of it. I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we're only a week away from the end of the season here. Um. But we got to live through it. You were over it as soon as it started. We know. I was, actually. I called this, like, <laughs> back when it began. I'm, I'm going to call her Yoko Ono until the, till it happens. I'm, gonna, oh, I'm going to manifest this. <laughs> You're a bad person. Yeah. No, I really am. Uh, our Jimmy G team. Our, our, our Jimmy G Memorial, who used to be the Houston Texans Memorial team, this was a tricky one because all the Jimmy G teams made the playoffs, mm. right? So you're, the teams that weren't supposed to get there did. The Packers yeah. and the Texans both snuck in. One won the division. The other one, you know, improbably won their way into the playoffs. So we're kind of left now with, well, who's going to be the – Hey, remember them team, you know, that Jimmy G kind of team that everyone's going to pick to be that cool postseason team next year. I came up with one. Okay. And, and it's not an obvious one. They did not go on a big run to, to finish the season, which is usually that hallmark for the Jimmy G Houston Texans team, right? Because I said the two teams that did that both made the playoffs. So saying that Houston or Green Bay next year are going to win the playoffs, you, do, you don't really look that smart. So I'm picking a last-place team, but a sneaky last-place team. I'm going to pick the Cincinnati Bengals to be uh-huh. my team next year. 9-8, uh, and eight, last place, um, <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals uh, in the AFC North, finishing behind Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Baltimore. And we all know why. They, they, get, Joe, they get Joe Burrow back. They're not a 9-8 and eight team. Uh, if that's not Correct. Jake Browning and that's Joe Burrow taking snaps – we probably have the Bengals in the playoffs and, and not the Steelers or, you know, so I have a feeling they're going to be the, Hey, what about the Cincinnati Bengals? They're getting Joe Burrow back next season. So to me, an odd pick this year for Jimmy G team, because like I said, the two most likely candidates to go in is the Jimmy G team. Um, both made the playoffs. I will give an honorable mention to the Raiders uh, who I was very close to giving this award to because uh, I have a, a feeling there's going to be a lot of people who go, hey, what, what about the Raiders? You know, because their surge with Antonio Pierce, even though they didn't win a lot of those games, they went from being dead and quitting to competitive. Sure. So I'm going to give it to the Bengals with an honorable mention to the uh, LV Raiders. 
You know, the first thing that pops in my mind when you say that is um, also did not go on some sort of crazy streak at the end of the year, but I think the offseason is going to have a whole lot of speculation about the Chargers making a run because now they get Captain oh, with Tycho there yeah, yeah. Uh, as their new coach. Uh, returning back to the to the NFL because he he did have quite the uh, the, the the record uh, of success uh, this yeah. first time in the NFL with with the Forty Niners. Yeah, uh, so I think all, so. I think a lot of people are going to be all oh, Justin Herbert's going to get uh, J- uh, Jim Harbaugh as a coach. Watch them make magic now. So I'm preparing myself for a summer of that. Really yeah, well, Chargers, so it's not going to really work out. Right. Yeah, and they're also, you know, in a a much tougher division, I think. Um, sure. I know I call I say that with about Cincinnati and Vegas even, but Cincinnati, yeah, that's a tough division. That that's probably the toughest division in football. But if you can just man, is their mission always keep Joe Burrow healthy or not? I mean Yeah. That's it. That that that's we talked about it in our season preview. Like all you got to do, Cincinnati, is just keep Joe Burrow on the field, and you just can't do it. And I almost snuck an award for Burrow in uh, this year, so I, I I don't have a name for it, but I do want to bring up since we're talking about Burrow, just the weirdness of him uh, going through the the whole calf thing, and is yeah. he okay? Is he not okay? Finally getting healthy and looking like the old Joe Burrow, and then. Uh, there's a Bruder film comes out of him with the with the splint on his wrist <laughs> before he gets hurt. <laughs> well, I for, I forgot about that. Uh huh. He, he he didn't miss the rest of the season because of that calf. That's what everyone thinks about. But uh, it was actually the wrist that that got popped uh-huh. in the middle of that game, uh, which he came in uh, came into that game with a splint on it beforehand. But that had nothing to do with him getting but hurt. But that's a normal thing that they do. It takes off the pressure so it doesn't swell up when they're flying. I'm yeah. glad you remembered that because, like you said, we don't have awards for it, but it needed to be brought up. I tried to make an award for it. I got enough awards, so I didn't do it, but and that was just weird. Yes, it was. Uh, I could have given that to this category. It happened this year, but it feels like so long ago. And I'm sorry. Uh, I know you don't want this man in our in, in our show, but I'm giving this to your boy. Aaron Rodgers running out with the American flag on <laughs> September 11th in New York. Boy, the Jets, they're going to take off. And this is their year, and they've got that number one defense. And here comes Aaron Rodgers running out with that American flag. It's 9-11 in New York, and he makes it all of four plays. Four whole plays. And that was all she wrote for Aaron Rodgers. And that happened this year. And boy, doesn't that feel like a lifetime ago? Sure does. Sure, sure does feel like it happened like two or three years ago. <clears throat> yeah, the thought of Aaron Rodgers playing football for the Jets in the NFL—it it, it did happen. It lasted only four plays, but it did happen. But it, it's definitely uh, something in the rearview mirror because that season, as soon as he goes down, that's it. That's it. The, the Jets season is is over and. All of the hopes and dreams that the, all the Jets fans had wiped right out on, in four plays. Yeah, and and then we had to suffer through an entire season of of Zach Wilson and his backups ugh. and ugh. I hate that people. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. not what the Jets were hoping for. 
not not good at all. Uh, so I'm just looking up here. Uh, I'm trying to find a date for this one because I'm going to give our PR award, the Kim Etheridge PR award. One of our favorite awards that we give out every year for something bad that happens in public relations. And I'm going all the way back to July of the 28th of last year. We remember, folks. We like, and we never talked about it on the show because as soon as it happened, I put it in my phone. I was like, I don't need to talk about this until the thing, unless something else happens. But boy, let's talk about the public relations team for the Green Bay Packers. Oof. Green Bay Packers had a linebacker had a linebacker <laughs> named Jonathan Garvin. Well, do you know what July twenty eighth was? Tell us. It was his 24th birthday, and the Green Bay Packers, such a nice team, decided to go on their Twitter and announce, happy birthday, Jonathan Garvin. I mean, that's just oh, so that's, nice, right? That's great. That's, that's good for an organization oh. to do that and keep up with their players. And, yeah, uh, and then three sh- hours shout later, him out they like cut that. him. Uh, oh. Oh, damn. <laughs> and... <laughs> And then went back and scrubbed. And then they went back and scrubbed the the birthday wishes. <laughs> so they couldn't even keep. They knew. They knew. I give them credit for for realizing what they did. But oh, come on, man! What are you doing? So yes, poor Jonathan Garvin, linebacker, cut three hours after the team wished him happy birthday in the socials. Um. We don't forget. I find it. We don't forget. All I have to add to that is, oops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had it in my phone since I saw the news story, um, and, and nothing, as far as I was concerned, ever eclipsed that. Obviously, there's PR nightmares every week in the NFL, but, you know, to, to take a team to, to – to, uh, Announce happy birthday. Best wishes. And then three hours later, they gave him some different best wishes. Hey, hey, you know, dude ain't on the team anymore, right? <sighs> so, yeah, I don't know. That. Yeah, so as it usually happens sometimes with this award, we don't actually know who the person was that did this or what happened or what their name was. It was just their social media team. Um, but why did... But then they pull the post down, which is even worse. <laughs> Just leave it up. Eh, they're not going to notice. But they Get cut him on his birthday, and they wished him well, and wished him well then again three hours later. So, <laughs> Kim Etheridge, PR Award, the Green Bay Packers social media team. Happy birthday. You're gone. <laughs> he gone. He gone. Oh. <laughs> uh. Uh, I don't know. We never talked about that story either. No, no. But uh, I'm, I'm not surprised. I, uh, honestly, I believe uh, an NBA team recently did something very similar. I don't remember uh, exactly who it was. So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to start give getting them... together with your personnel office when you before yeah. you do these things. I, honorable mention. Very close second place to uh, to Colin Cowherd. Um, 
earlier this season for uh, saying that Dwayne Haskins is never going to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> what? He's right. Well, yes, he's right, but that's only because Dwayne Haskins is dead. Oh. Well, and that, that's just, you don't, come on, don't dance on a man's grave like that. Yeah. Game of the uh, year. At that point, it's all about being right. That's all that matters. I guess. And that's all he cares about. Best <laughs> yeah. game of the year, game of the year. I'm going to give this to probably not a game a lot of people are going to talk about. But it runs with a theme, with an earlier reward. And I got to tell you, it was one hell of a fun game. I'm going back to week seven. Texans 39, Bucks 31. In what we had could only call the C.J. Stroud, he is him game, a back and forth affair where C.J. Stroud, after the Bucks score a touchdown to go up by four with 49 seconds left, leave C.J. Stroud 39 seconds too many, and he takes them down the field and then throws a strike to Tank Dell in the back of the end zone for an improbable 39-37 win, which caps off, oh my God, a 470-yard, five-touchdown game for C.J. Stroud. And if there, if that wasn't a coming-out party for C.J. Stroud, I don't know what else was, because that, 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 was, that was the one that made us both go, oh, 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 that guy. And uh, he really didn't slow down the whole rest of the year. And an absolute back-and-forth affair, you know, 76 points, hard-fought, game-winning touchdowns by both teams in the last minute of the game. Um, I, that was, to me, the best and most entertaining game of the whole year. Nobody's going to talk about it because they're all going to talk about the, the Chiefs and the Bills. and you know. The, nope. Houston-Tampa, to me, best game of the year. Well, there's an upset. Uh, nobody would have... You're right. Nobody's going to remember or talk about that, but yeah, except for the people down in Houston, because that's when they realize, okay, we we got something yeah. here. So like, we got that, that, real special. I believe set the rookie record. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, five touchdown game, just back and forth. Him and Baker Mayfield, another back from the dead guy this year, going absolutely toe to toe up and down the field that whole game that that game had a little bit of of everything that had 75 yard touchdown bombs that had uh noah brown going off i mean he had three receivers over 100 yards that game hmm. just nuts for cj stroud that game and it was a and it was fun um and that's something we don't get a lot of with these games <laughs> Yeah, uh, week nine it was uh, it was a rookie record. Um, the yeah, Baker thought he had the game winning drive with, with forty six seconds left, but it turned yeah. out that was too much time. That was a fourteen yard touchdown to Kate Otten, puts them up four. So the only thing that beats them is a is a touchdown. And wouldn't you know, CJ Stroud took him all the way down there and did it, just dropping dimes. That that whole drive to Tank Dell. Um, he was just dropping them in there. He was throwing some of the prettiest balls. I mean, this, and you're like, this isn't a rookie. I mean, <laughs> and, and that's really what kind of sealed it for me when I thought back on the games this year and I looked at all the games because, to me, that really did sort of embody the best, you know. And, and it was 
yeah, usually I don't I don't always go with the high scoring affairs. You know, it's not like me to normally pick a a seventy six point effort <laughs> as as best game of the year because you'd be like, ah, it was just bad defense. But no, that that had high drama. That had a rookie showing out in a spot I don't think anybody expected. Um, if, if they would have lost that game, it would just been oh, you, know, you played great, CJ. You know. But no, he took his team right down there and, and, and won that thing. So I'm going to give it to him. That, that was that was awesome. Yeah, when you tap on something that I have an award for already, usually I break in and just uh, give out the award that I had at the same time. Wow. So I'm going to break in such an unusual game that you are correct, not many people talk about, but something else unusual happened in that game that also contributed to how fun it was, and I gave an award for that. Oh, and that and that award is the not a kicker, but I play one on TV award, which went to Houston backup running back Dare Ogunbowale, who was summoned to week nine to kick, not to run, to kick a go ahead 29 yard field goal because the Texans kicker Kaimi Fairbairn got hurt and Ogunbowale, this is what, uh, what happens when it gets late. Dare Ogunbowale was the first non-kicker or punter to make a field goal in an NFL game in almost 20 years. And by the way, Houston won by two because of that last drive by C.J. Stroud. So they needed that field goal. How cool is that for a guy to get in there that's not a kicker at all? And we're desperate. We we can't just go keep going for fourth downs. We're not in position to yeah. keep going for it. Look, have you ever kicked before? Uh, maybe a little. Uh, okay, go out there and kick a field goal. And he did it. And they needed it because they won by two, and I thought that was pretty damn cool. So, Dario Ogunbowale got an award for not a kicker, but I play one on TV. That's awesome. So, yeah, there, there you go. We, we found that game somehow. <laughs> Both of us. For, for different <laughs> reasons. Worst game of the year. Oh, do Uh-oh. we have so many to choose from? No kidding. Uh, but I'm going back here. Jets 13, Giants 10 in overtime. Oh, yeah. We remember that game. That was the game that the Giants were set to win when they had uh, seven yards of passing. <laughs> it's a Tommy DeVito game. The Tommy DeVito game. Tyrod Taylor, four of seven for eight yards, goes out with an injury. Tommy DeVito comes in, promptly goes two of seven for minus one yard, and it was only a boneheaded Brian Dable go, uh, trying to kick a field goal in an absolute maelstrom and missing that allowed the Jets uh, to go the other way and kick their own tying field goal and then kick a field goal in overtime to win it. Um, what an absolute just dog crap game. Uh Zach Wilson versus Tyrod Taylor and and Danny DeVito. And, yeah, the Giants almost win a game where they throw for seven yards. Their net would have been way less. I think it was negative when you factored in the sacks. Just an absolute terrible game. Horrible to watch. And the worst part of it is that team, the team that threw for seven yards with a net negative passing yard total, (laughs) should have won the game. That's even worse. Um that was we talked about how bad that game was and that was followed up by other bad games because we had these backup quarterbacks all playing this year but that one sort of set the gold standard and and as i went back and looked through i'm like yeah i, I can't get away from that one 
That one left such a bad taste. It had so many just strange angles to it, especially when you saw that passing line for the Giants in an almost winning effort. Uh, I had to give that worst game of the year. How anybody could have sat through that in the stands, on TV, just an awful, awful game. You know how terrible a game has to be to be named worst of the year in a year in which the Vikings beat the Raiders three to three nothing? To, three to nothing, yeah. And that wasn't the worst of the Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, that, that Giants-Jets game was absolutely terrible. I remember how bad it was. Uh, at the time, I was all my notes were about just how awful this was, and how uh, how in the world could Brian Dable be an offensive-minded coach, and that's what his quarterbacks do when they get out there? Like, oh my god! Uh, yeah, good good call on that for being the worst. It, it was really bad. It, it sort of set the standard. You know, I, I think if we had had the Giants, that if we had had that three nothing game first, maybe that would have set the standard. But no, that thirteen to ten. Because it was just so terrible, and then the Giants probably should have won. The Jets actually had no business winning. And then you figure that the Jets actually, a lot of their wins, they had no business winning. Uh, and that was just another one. And because there, there was still a stretch there where the Jets were hanging around. Like, oh, you know, they could still kind of make the playoffs. And they still had that defense, but, but everything fell apart for them. But that they had no business winning that game. And that was before the Jets and, and Danny DeVito kind of went on their little insanity run. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was the beginning of, of something truly awful. And that game itself was, was, was terrible. Yeah. I it, think it, was, the, it was not good. I think the Patriots lost the game six to nothing at some point. It was oh, a we lot have another of one with terrible games. It was like thir- 13 to eight and that Falcons one. <laughs> they were all oh, yeah. bad, but that one though, seven yards passing, oh. it had weather, it had weather. It was not, it was not a pretty football game and the Giants still should have won. That's how bad that game was. Yeah. Which kind of padded the stats also for um, the Jets because they ended up getting those two extra drives to to sort of pad the numbers. Their numbers weren't that spectacular either. Um, It's the Grammy time. Hey, the Grammys are on tonight. (laughs) They are. It's my my last award. It's Antonio Brown's Grammy, wink, wink, uh, which we give for the uh, worst acting of the year. And uh, I'm giving I'm giving this one to somebody who who obviously wanted to be an extra. They they didn't want to they didn't want to star in the show. They just wanted to be an extra. And I'm going to give this one to Deontay Johnson. <laughs> and I think we know the play. <laughs> Deontay Johnson was tasked with blocking, quote unquote, blocking on a Jalen Warren run against the Bengals back in week 12, uh, and Johnson didn't move. <laughs> he just stood there. And then Warren gets stripped and fumbled, and the ball rolls pretty much right at the feet of Deontay Johnson, who I don't know if he did or didn't or what was going on, but he, he did his best Jeff Saturday impersonation. Just gonna, Hey, man, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just happy. To, man, isn't this great while the ball's rolling around at his feet? And then the Bengals are scooping it and running it back to midfield and had just no business knowing what he was doing on that play. So for trying to get himself a spot on the show extras, I don't know if it's still around, but Deontay Johnson was trying to be an extra this year. And both of those receivers, if you know what I mean, from from the Steelers were a little extra all year. 
Uh, Deontay Johnson, he definitely gets the acting award of the year for, for not knowing what's going on and just happy to be here. Hey, man, I'm just looking around at the stadium and all the beautiful people. How you doing out there, beautiful people? I and just was, love being was, here. It, and again, Mike Tomlin, <laughs> you're not getting a lot of man. Coach of the Year awards or anything, or, or, or but you still got, you got that team to the playoffs. And I said it at the time of, of that particular incident happening, they're lucky the Steelers won the game or else those receivers wouldn't have been allowed back on the plane. I, I can't imagine – uh, what Tomlin did or, or said to them uh, in the locker room afterwards. But, man, if, if they hadn't won, I, I don't know if they, those receivers would still be on the team because I'm sure he was just boiling mad. Yeah, but I, I, we we had seen some, like, Chase Claypool-level lack of hustle. <laughs> but that Deontay Johnson, that, that that's a new level, right? Yeah, ball just roaming guys, around at his feet. We've seen guys not block before, or guys take a play off. But he not only took a play off, he took a play off where his running back fumbles. He doesn't even notice, or quote unquote, doesn't even notice the ball's rolling around. Dude's jumping on it right, pretty much next to him, and scooping the ball and running it all the way back to midfield while he's pretty much just standing there. Yeah, the play before he didn't get a get a ball and he was frustrated or something yeah. and. Uh, clearly was sorting that out in his mind while the, the the next play is happening and just had no awareness at all what was going on. And Is that a, that AWR was a little low? <laughs> uh, that would be zero uh, on, on, the, on the old Madden. Zero awareness of what uh, was happening. Deontay Johnson, take, take your Grammy and go <laughs> home. <laughs> Please. Well, that does it for me. Uh, another another fun round of awards. A little chalky this year, but sometimes when it's obvious, you got to call it out. Sure. You know, it no, doesn't always have to be a surprise. Sometimes the obvious stuff. Sometimes it's it, it's the thing for a reason. And uh, I'll turn the floor over to you because I know you have some awards that you like to hand out. And uh, I'll, I'll I'll pitch in. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Good awards from you. I, I didn't have any arguments with them. Um, yeah, chalky, but still, you know, you gotta, you gotta recognize what earned the awards that you had and, and just give it to them is there's no, uh, yeah. being too cute or, or trying to be the genius in the room. You know, sometimes you gotta just do what, what's, what's out there and what's obvious and what's necessary. And that's uh, exactly what you did. So, uh, good, good awards by you. Um, glad to take over from here and give out my awards. Um, so I'll start with my traditional awards. I have Coach of the Year awards that I like to give out. I like to split them up into the Super Bowl winning coaches and the non-Super Bowl winning coaches categories just to be a little different. My Coach of the Year among all the Super Bowl winning coaches. I got to go with Andy Reid again, second year in a row. He somehow took that team. We already talked about that receiving core, that team, and they're in the Super Bowl. They are the AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs from the third seed. Uh, I, I don't know how he coached around the lack of wide receivers. I, I'm amazed that he was able to do it. Um, and I'm not amazed, but I'm impressed and a little surprised by his uh, restraint because he clearly scaled down his creativity, his offense. Uh, he's got his old buddy uh, Nagy back there from his disaster coaching the Chicago Bears. 
Um, and I'm sure they have a lot of ideas and a lot of lot more creativity that they want to dial up. They can't do it because they don't have the weapons. They can't uh, do deal, do all of the the weird geometry that Andy Reid is known for. Um, and they re- they realize that they didn't force uh, the creativity. They didn't force uh, Patrick Mahomes to try to make a whole lot of magic with these guys. Like you said, they basically said, okay, here's your your two receiving weapons and the running back out of the backfield, and you don't throw to anybody else because all the rest of these guys suck. Uh, so good on Andy Reid for figuring that out and somehow navigating and managing this team uh, to the Super Bowl. Again, if they win the title, put both of them, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, just put them in the Hall of Fame now and don't even yeah. wait for any kind of, of waiting period. Uh, you know, I'm going to give an honorable mention um, to Steve Spagnolo because we want to talk about Andy Reid sure. and, and navigating that offense. Uh they only gave up, the Chiefs, all the way from the start of the regular season through the end now to the playoffs. They only gave up more than 20 points once. Mm-hmm. All year. And that was in the Bills game in the playoffs. Other than that, a 27-24 win, that Chiefs defense did not allow more than 20 points the entire rest of the season. Um if that defense wasn't doing that and you had to rely on Mahomes and, and those those faulty weapons, because they weren't blowing people out, they were winning a different kind of football, right? We weren't used to seeing the Chiefs win games this way, which shows you the adaptability of Andy Reid, which is why he gets this award. Um, like you said, he had to change something. He had to figure things out, and you lean on that defense. You've got just enough playmakers once you finally figured out who those guys were. That's a very deserving award, but they don't get anywhere close to the Super Bowl without that defense. Right. He had to uh, play the, the time game, the uh, the field position game, the, the yeah. time of possession game, um, and grind out a lot of drives uh, offensively that he and stretch them out and you know make seven, eight-minute drives that he usually doesn't have to do. Um, and you're absolutely right. He doesn't. Uh, he isn't able to do all of that and, and uh, get as far as he does uh, without a, without his defense. Uh, as I as I pause to, uh, to 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 cough and take a drink. Whew, yeah, my throat is extra uh, stringy tonight, but I'm try to power through here. All right, my coach of the year amongst the non-Super Bowl winners, and this is gonna this is controversial to me. My I had a controversy inside my own brain giving this guy coach of the year uh, among the non-Super Bowl winning coaches because I gave him dumbest uh, of the week multiple times, including twice in a row, and yet I still have to admit there's something about his coaching that is unbelievable. Gets his team motivated. Is clearly not about the X's and O's. It's clearly about the way that he uh, motivates his team to go out there and play for him no matter what. And that's Dan Campbell. Oh, oh, kneecap biting Dan Campbell of the Lions. Uh, my coach of the year. The X's and O's are, are just part of the coaching. Uh, obviously, his biggest uh, impact and, and what he does for his team is he gets his guys to play for him through anything. They are beat up and injured and uh, legs falling off and knees getting disintegrated. They're just putting big-ass braces on there, running back out there and playing for him, um, and, and uh, gets it all the way to the, the conference title game, gets him the, the division championship uh, and two home victories and, and 
gets the city of Detroit all fired up and excited for uh, what that franchise is, is doing. Um, Got to be excited for, for the Detroit Lions going forward. Uh, his, his guys just go hard for him. Um, and, and it's amazing uh, the way they play for him. They clearly love him. He clearly loves them. There's something really special going on there. And so Dan Campbell, despite having some meathead decisions when it comes down to game management, uh, clearly it's not about the game management, but Dan Campbell for the way that he gets his guys to absolutely play to the death for him uh, is my coach of the year. Yeah, they, they don't they don't sniff where they got to, uh, which is up big in the NFC Championship game with a chance to go to the Super Bowl without him and his vision, um, or that GM, uh, all the impact rookies after they got toasted for drafting those guys, and all of those guys end up having a huge impact, and now that team is going to become, you know, who knows what that team is going to do going forward. They look primed for success. They've turn Jared Goff around. They've got a great running game. Their offensive line's blowing people off the ball. But all those things that got them there are all the same things that got them sent home. So while it, it's a great story, and yes, no, no, no team fights harder for their coach, it, it was some of those inconsistencies. Um, but that's part of the profile. I guess you have to learn to live with it because um, you probably don't reach where you are without him. And it's and it's hard to ask somebody at that point to change, um, and so and I but I understood the criticisms because there were some things that were right there for them, and there were some game management situations that you just like mm. clearly it, for a young team that that didn't look like it was ready for the spot. I think that was a coach who also wasn't ready for the spot, and the only thing you can do is learn from it um, without taking away too much from what we're probably going to end up talking about next week. Hmm. Well, not ready for the spot. I argue there's no way they should have been in that spot. Like the the makeup of that team, the uh, oh sure how how terrible they are uh, defensively on the on the back end, how uh, inconsistent they are uh, up front rushing uh, the quarterback. Like there's a lot of holes in that team, and there's uh, a lot of reasons why they should have never been in a conference title game to begin with. And not only were they in it, but they were winning uh, twenty four to seven at the half. So. Yeah, uh, I don't know how many coaches would have gotten the, the Detroit Lions at that point. So, credit to Dan Campbell. I, I would have never thought I'd be calling him my my coach of the year, but but there it is. <laughs> the worst coach of the year among the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, unfortunately, is obvious <sighs> for, for the second year in a row. It's the goat coach, Bill yeah. Belichick. I don't even have much to say. They're just hopeless, uh, man. Just play yeah, back just, what you said last year. I mean, just, <laughs> right. just go back to last year's show, folks, and listen to that and, and just copy that and paste. Well, not even because last year he, for some unknown reason, made the decision that he thought Matt Patricia would be a good oh. choice to, to run the offense, uh, even though he was a defensive coach. Uh, and so that went about as well as you would think. So this year he brings in Bill O'Brien, who is a much you know more respected, much better offensive mind. But the offense didn't look any better. It looked like the Matt Patricia offense under Bill O'Brien, which means now you got to look at the personnel and you got to look at the the GM of the team, which is basically Bill Belichick, and go, okay, your your guys suck. Your the, the the players you're putting on the field are terrible. The quarterbacks are all bad. The receivers are all bad. Uh, the running backs are not so hot. Uh, like what are we doing here? Like why do you why do you have no good personnel on your team for for the offense? Like. It, 
it, it obviously was, was coming to an end there because something had to give uh, two, three years since Tom Brady left of the offense looking like complete dog shit. And, and obviously nobody was doing anything about it because Belichick has all the power and he's right. the one that would make all the decisions to do something about it. And he wasn't doing anything. So yeah, he had to go, unfortunately. So he, he earned worst coach of the year among Super Bowl winning coaches for the second year in a row. Yeah, he did. Sometimes you start believing your own press. And, you know, the, the Patriot way uh, was really easy to run things when you had Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady took a whole lot of dudes to Super Bowls, right? He, he he did not have great running backs and great wide receivers outside outside of Randy Moss. and He just had the perfect timing and the system and the guys who were right for that system. And Brady made it work, and it was like clockwork, and then Belichick could handle the defense, and they mostly had good defenses, and they could run it a little like hard nose, and you know, you'd show up late to practice, you get cut the next day, and you, you could do it the Patriot way. Um, yep. Patriot way doesn't work when you don't have the Hall of Fame quarterback, and you got red-ass Mac Jones, and, and Bailey Zappi. No, it, it just doesn't work so well. And you'd start to see the deficiencies of talent, and yes, you 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 make dumb personnel decisions, you make dumb coaching decisions, and yeah, everything kind of passed him by, and he, you know the the power creep was there, and, and now he's without a job, and nobody wanted to give him all the power because they just saw what happened in New England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and say what you want about gets to take a year off, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least a year. At least. Uh, say what you want to say what you want about Brady and, and the system quarterback and all that, but yeah. you you could take Chris uh, Hogan and Wes Welker and Julian Edelman and all those guys and put them on this team sure. in their peak with Mac Jones as a quarterback and the numbers wouldn't be any different. It, it would no. still be no, six point oh yards for uh, per attempt or something like that. No, but if you put Brady back in there, he'd 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 mine some play out of those receivers. Jacoby Myers would go for twelve hundred sure. yards. Even though he's on the Raiders. Oh, I'm thinking of all those other guys that, that are on the Patriots Parker. currently. Yeah, those those uh, guys. Some of these receivers they drafted, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, yeah. the corpse of Ezekiel Elliott. They, they, those guys, <laughs> they probably have them in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh, my worst coach uh, among the non-Super Bowl winners, boy, there's a lot of choices here. Uh, I'm going to go to your your guy, your your favorite coach. Uh, the, the balls of Staley. Because oh, I thought you were going to say Smith. Like, no. <laughs> he another, was bad. Another, but it's another choice. Balls of Staley, uh, man. We got to get it the, one last time. The way they broke down at the end, where he's just obstinate and arrogant, and uh, they're asking him about changing his defense, and he's like, you know, you can quit asking that question because we're not going to change. Yeah. Uh, and I have per- total, you know, confidence that we're going to turn everything around. Uh, and it all culminates with 63 to 21 uh, at Las Vegas on a Thursday night. And that was all she wrote. That was enough for Brandon Staley to get fired by the, uh, by the Clipper chargers. Uh, so he was the worst coach uh, because he was just so hard headed to the end. Like he had no idea of, of what he was doing as far as, uh, game management as far as the going for it all the time and whatnot uh, and his terrible defense. Like, he just thought everything was going to work out fine if he just stayed the course and kept doing 
exactly what he was doing. He had no adjustment. He had no flexibility. Um, and his team eventually showed what they were made of by giving up 63 to the Raiders. Yeah. And that, that, that's a team just basically quitting on his coach at that point. So uh, to me, uh, all the other choices of, of worst coach, uh, at least their teams sort of were trying. Uh, but Staley's team looks like it just completely quit on him. No, and that was that was a straight-up quit. I mean, other than uh, the quarterback, and I, I'm forgetting, Easton Stick nah. in that game was the only guy who didn't quit, and that's just because he didn't know any better. <laughs> that also had one of my favorite moments of the year that I called out when it happened, which was Austin Eckler getting up and giving the first down signal when they were down by 56 <laughs> points. I mean, that just all goes to the just, just – the, balls of Staley. I mean, he might be gone, but the balls of Staley will live on because when we when we talk about coaches doing dumb things, going for it when they shouldn't, you know, kicking when the kicking when they should go, all those dumb things, he did them all. Going for it, well, that's why we talked about the fake punt with the DeMar Hamlin thing. That was balls of Staley. Mm. Cuz it just it just leaves you leaves you scratching your head because it goes against everything and yeah, it's great if you make it, but you're still like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I kind of saw that fake forming in that Buffalo game, and I'm like, oh, no. I can see it. Oh, oh no. Because uh. I saw it yeah, when, as soon as they started shifting Hamlin mm-hmm. uh, behind the line, and you're like, well, something looks wrong. Something looks off here. Something's about and, to happen. But, yep. but as soon as it get in my mind, like, but they're not going to run a fake. They're they're down. They're in their own territory, yeah. and it's not, they're not going to actually. They snap and they run the fake, and I'm like, oh my god, balls of Staley. <sighs> I'm I'm not quite sure how Staley gets blamed for that. He wasn't on the on that team, but it's the it's it's the stigma of it, it's the <laughs> it, it's no longer a noun. It's a verb. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just balls of Staley all over yourself in that yeah. playoff game. Uh, so, yes, Staley lives on with the worst coach of the year, as far as I'm concerned. My Heckle and Giant Award is for the team. Oh, you team could have or... like six of these. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. For the team or player that I feel was the most completely unpredictable as the season went on, just one end of the of the spectrum to the other, one pole to the other. For me this year, I'm giving it to a team, and I'm giving it to those Philadelphia Eagles because, <sighs> Wow. 10-1, and one, wild overtime victory over Buffalo to get to 10-1. and one. They look like they're on their way. They're getting all the breaks. They're getting all the pixie dust. Uh, and then their they're dicks are in the dust. They go 1-6 to lose the division, uh, just completely disintegrated on, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Uh, just a complete no-show in the wild card game at Tampa Bay. Had no chance to win from the moment that that, that ball was snapped. Um, and I just know all you can do is shrug your shoulders. There's no explanation for why a team uh, that looks so dominant and going 10 and one, the, the same team that, that uh, played well in the Super Bowl last year had to leave, looked like they had a very good chance to win the title. That same team with basically everybody back uh, starts off 10 and one, looks like they're on their way back to the Super Bowl and it just completely liquidates. There's no explanation for it. Uh, they were heckle and jive. There's no, no no rhyme or reason why they were so good for most of the season and so terrible uh, to end the season. Yeah, I mean, we could have just as easily given that award to the Jaguars. Yeah. Um, 
I remember, I know at one point you had Baker Mayfield um, that you had talked <laughs> about being some, he- there was a lot of heckle and jide this season, but yeah, nobody encapsulated that more than, than the Eagles. And that was just a tale of two seasons, right? That was the 10 and one. And then the one and six. Yeah, same team, same players. I, I, I mean, yeah, the, it wasn't even the loss against Tampa in the playoffs that did it for me. It was the loss to the Cardinals. <laughs> um, I think that was week 16. Um, week 16 or 17. It was like the you know second to last game, and they have and they get Kyler Murray and the Cardinals go into Philly and come out of there with a high-scoring win, and, and, and that just blew me away. I'm like, this was supposed to be, like, this, this amazing defense, you know? Outside of the tush-push, their offense was anemic. They were making Antonio Brown, uh, uh, not Antonio Brown, A.J. Brown. Might as well have been Antonio Brown. Uh, A.J. Brown lose his mind, um, you know, and start losing some faith in that quarterback, and then you start to wonder, well, wow, was Jalen Hurts a, a one-year wonder? got to start wondering that. Like I said, you just shrug your shoulders. There's no answers to any of that. All of it is a question mark. Why did the defense completely break down like that? They uh, All that drafting and all that work to, uh, to build up the front four and then oh, they yeah. just start getting run over by everybody. It's like, how did, how did all that happen? So Yeah, and they were giving it up through the air. They were getting run over. I mean, that defense looked like on paper, like it was set up to not let anybody score. And then they just couldn't stop. Crazy. Anybody. Crazy. And uh, no, that's that's well deserved. Yeah. All right, my uh, Carrie Krieger Memorial Heartbreak Award, named after the <laughs> woman who broke my heart so many years ago, twenty long years ago now. Uh, but I still memorialize her. And of course, it has to go to my Super Bowl pick, the Buffalo Bills. Mm. Uh, that that Philly loss put them at six and six. They're out of the playoffs at that point, and they just make this furious rally uh, to find a way to get into the playoffs. Not just get in, eventually win the division and become the weakest number two seed you've ever seen, <laughs> which I said at the time. But the way they did it, I thought, hey, maybe this is it. Maybe they they got themselves together. Now they know. Every game's a playoff game. Now they got to put it together. Now Josh Allen looks like he's all apologetic for getting getting Dorsey fired as the offensive coordinator. Uh, he's going to play different. He's going to do better. He knows he can't uh, throw up the the yaha balls and the arm puns. He knows he's got to play smarter. And maybe maybe this is what they need to refocus them and go all the way. And uh, no, they didn't quite make it. They made it through a, a playoff game and made it to. Uh, playing the Chiefs uh, at home where they should be happy. We finally get the Chiefs uh, in Orchard Park with Bills Mafia, everything on the line, have a great game for three quarters, and then can't do anything in the fourth, no points at all. Uh, just broke your heart, man. I, I thought they, they figured it out. I thought they found, found a way to put it all together at the right time, and they, they put it together to make the playoffs, but they couldn't put it together uh, against the Chiefs, against their, their hated rivals when it mattered the most. Yeah. No, and uh, trust me, uh, nobody, nobody takes that harder than, than Hipster J. Yeah, you, you were on them before anybody else. And, and, and you said it felt like uh, the door closing on the Bills. I'm not, I'm not that hard on the Bills, um, but they, they definitely need um, – 
to get some retooling done. Uh, they have the offense, but that defense let them down so bad uh, this year. And those guys just can't stay on the field. And, and they need to make some strides on that side of the ball. If they can do that, I, I think they'll be okay. Um, but they're not that clear-cut favorite anymore. Miami's lurking. Uh, I think they've they learned from some of their mistakes. Um, oh, I, I'm not too worried about the Jets or the um, – oh, God, who's the other team? I can't even think of the other team. Pats, no, no. I'm not worried about them, but the, the, the Dolphins made that thing interesting, and, and they gagged it up at the end to let the Bills kind of sneak in there and get that two seed that they probably didn't deserve. But uh, I don't think all is lost for the Bills, but it's it, it's it's not an automatic for them. They they fought hard this year to get to the playoffs, and uh, they definitely need to get that defense fixed. Uh, you might want to put all your money on the Bills, anyone listening going forward, because I declare that I am not picking the Bills to win the title anymore. Uh, I, I have closed that window, so that means oh. they're probably going to win the title. They're going to win the title next year? Bills all yes. the way? Okay. Exactly. Uh, I did my name of the year, so I will move on from there to my more personalized awards, in which I attempt to be a little uh, pithy and entertaining, and hopefully I will be able to do that. The Chivalry Isn't Dead Award goes to our guy Karen Rogers, the Jets quarterback, who was defending her OC Nathaniel Hackett from Sean Payton's offseason criticism. Payton, before the season, said that the Broncos struggling in 2022 uh, was a result of they had a terrible coach, just one of the worst ever. He just yeah. completely went in on Nathaniel Hackett uh, on some magazine interview, um, and that led Rogers to, hey, that, that's my guy. That's my that's my offensive coordinator. That's I want to defend. That's my that's my team. Well, he's a quarterback, but that's my OC. No, okay. And Rogers said that Peyton should be a little more like Chris Rock and, and stop messing with his girl. Now. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Well, I thought that was very nice of Rogers to defend Nathaniel Hackett like that. That that's you know that's your guy or your girl, or whatever that relationship is, it just reminded me that, you know, chivalry is not dead. You can take care of your, your fairer sex and defend her from all sorts of criticism like that. And good good on Karen. Good on Karen Rogers for doing that. <laughs> the, highlighted with that 70-point uh, game that the Dolphins <laughs> had against the Broncos, that's when it all started to come out like, oh, yeah, Hackett never did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I might be referencing that later on. The uh, Diarrhea of the Mouth Award goes to Jets quarterback Karen Rogers. He's sensing a theme here. Uh, so desperate to keep her name in the news after she hurt herself and was out for the season. First of all, it was bad enough that she kept t- talking about, yeah, I might come back from this Achilles tear. I, I might oh, still be coming back at the end right? of the Dude, it, it's an Achilles. You're not coming back. Stop. Uh, but just kept saying stuff, kept keeping his name out there. And then the coup de grace goes on the Pat McAfee show to declare with no corroboration at all that randomly talk show host Jimmy Kimmel would not be happy when this rumored release of the Epstein list comes out. Like, wait, what What are you talking about? Uh, the, the list of Jeffrey Epstein, uh, I guess, friends or buddies that uh, has been rumored to be released for a long time now. Uh, and Rogers, I don't know where he got this from, decided to say, yeah, Kimmel's going to be uh, not so happy when that list gets released. Uh, to which Kimmel responds, you know, basically, you dumbass, you, what are you talking about? Um, 
what I'll say is I would hope that the uh, the, the libel lawsuit would, would hit the, the streets really quick uh, for, for something like that. Uh, I know it's not necessarily instant, but the longer uh, Kimmel waits, the more I start looking like, okay, uh, you know, is there something going on here? Like, because that should be immediate. Like, if, if there's nothing to that, that should be immediately my lawyer's got your ass uh, in court for for doing some shit like that. Uh, but that's just diarrhea of the mouth from from Cameron Rogers, who just so desperate to to stay relevant. Like, just just shut up, just rehab and come back and play football next year, please. Just you know, you're so happy that he's coming back next year. We we get another year of this. Lovely, just so so happy. Just he's so. Was was this the off season where he's uh, going away into a, a dark cabin for four days or something like that? Was that, was uh, that, this that, year that happened already, right? Wasn't that when he yeah. decided he was staying with the Packers and then promptly left? <laughs> so many stuff, so much stuff happens with the guy. I can't even keep it all uh, together. I didn't know if that was this year or last year or, or right. what have you. Well, that's uh, yeah. Well, hey, that's I guess that's the good the good side of this Taylor Swift thing. It made it made Aaron Rodgers less relevant. Uh, that's always a, a good thing. All right, I'm through with with Garen Rogers. I've, I've I've killed him enough. The uh, the I am the captain now award, uh, as you can probably guess, will go to Jair Alexander, the Green Bay Packers cornerback, who was look at me. Uh, not a, look at me. <laughs> look, look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> was not appointed a captain for the Packers game when they went to his hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, to play the Panthers in Week 16. So he took it upon himself. <laughs> to name himself a, a, a captain. Um, and he even uh, called out defense when they won the coin toss, which is a problem. <sighs> yep. Because as we talked about at the time, uh, dude, you don't get the uh, uh, to go offense or defense when you win the coin flip. I think Madden uh, taught us all that when you win the coin flip, that means you get to choose offense and defense. That's not exactly how it works uh, in the NFL. That's actually not how it works at all. What you win is the right to choose offense or defense. If you don't want to play offense, you don't say defense. You say, I'm going to defer that choice to the second half, which Correct. means now you're, the other team gets to choose offense or defense. If you choose defense, that means you've taken the choice of choosing offense or defense, which means you now give the choice in the second half to the other team who can now decide to choose offense and basically put your ass on defense twice to start the game, you know, the first half and the second half, uh, which would result, of course, in uh, you basically losing a possession because you don't get the ball to start the the, off, the, uh, the first half or the second half. So you don't want to say defense ever. If you ever uh, in an NFL game and you decide to run out on the field like Jair Alexander and declare yourself the captain, you do not ever want to yell out defense. That would not be good. Look at me, sure. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. So the I am the captain now award for Jair Alexander. Uh, I'm glad you even had to drop. I already reenacted it, and then you had to drop anyways. And I had to drop anyway. Yeah, I, I forgot I had to drop actually. Uh, my next award would be the uh, all-time week from hell award, which goes to my beloved Chicago Bears. Between week two and three, uh, terrible, terrible loss uh, in week two in which Justin Fields uh, basically stood back there forever looking for receivers and, and just had a terrible game as far as making decisions and then came out after the game and blamed coaching for his robotic play, uh, which is a bad week right off the bat uh, after that loss in Tampa Bay. That's right. That's that's terrible when you're already getting blamed 
when you're blaming coaching. That, that's just going to set up a media storm. That was just the beginning of the week from hell from Chicago. Then he tried to walk it back. Uh, then GM Ryan Poles had to hold a press conference saying, yeah, nothing to see here. Everything is fine. Uh, then while all that is going on, the defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, had to quit to, quote, focus on his health and family. We, do we still know what happened with that? While the FBI was raiding his home and office. It, it's, I don't know. Uh, I, it, it's still just rumors. It's just speculation and innuendo that there may have been some uh-huh. uh, untoward things on his computers. That, that's all we know. Uh, all we know is part- Jimmy Kimmel wouldn't like him. Oh, see, there you go now. Uh, but as far as we know, all we know, he, he, had to, he had to focus on his health and family. That, that, that's the official word. Then, as, if the week wasn't bad enough after all of that, the team had $100,000 of equipment stolen from a Soldier Field parking garage. <laughs> this is all in one week. Oh. I don't know what the Chicago Bears did to, to bring on that terrible, terrible yeah. week, but uh, that's about as bad as it gets. And then you're forgetting uh... – they went to Kansas City and got and uh, oh right that was the uh, that was the first Taylor Swift game of course to cap off yeah, to cap to cap that off they go to Kansas City after that and just get their doors blown off bring it around full circle what a week Whew. Uh, that, they, there's a deal with the devil made somewhere in there to make them have that much of a terrible week uh, hey uh, Keep the Tom Hanks going. I don't have this drop, but uh, we're, we're keeping with the Tom Hanks name. Life is like a box of chocolates. Uh, that award goes to Joshua Dobbs, who had a Forrest Gump-like season. Old pastor, not himself. <laughs> Starts the season traded from the Browns to the Arizona Cardinals. He leads a major upset of the Cowboys while with the Cardinals. Then he gets traded to the Minnesota Vikings on Halloween. Uh, and that trade happens so soon that he has to get the plays described to him in his headset because he hasn't been with the team long enough while he goes in there uh, to replace uh, the injured starting quarterback um, and beats Atlanta. Anyway, even having to have the plays called to him in his headset, um, he actually becomes the first quarterback in history to score three touchdowns in consecutive weeks for two different teams. Uh, He's everywhere, man. (laughs) He is Forrest Gump. He is Joshua Dobbs. Uh, you can call on him to do whatever you need, and in the blink of an eye, he'll be there and, and he'll get it done, even though he don't he doesn't know any of the plays or any of his teammates. Uh, yeah, I, I got nothing. <laughs> that was that was another one of the he him and uh, Devito had those insanity runs, right? You know, and everybody was all oh, Josh Dobbs. He, he's the man, and that just that ended quick. He had some MVP talk uh, during the season, believe it or not. <laughs> We, we laughed that at guy. it. Yes, yeah. yes, you're right. He yes, did because he, he had he had himself one hell of a about three week run there. He sure did. Um, you already touched on this, but I wanted to give my own award. The All Publicity is Good Publicity Award goes to whatever the hell that whole Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing is. I'm still not completely sure how real all of it is, but oh, it's a psyop, according to according <laughs> to my mom. What a media frenzy. Cameras catching her every face and every cheer and every hug in the luxury boxes. Uh, she made every game, even minus seven degrees in Kansas City for the wild card game. Look, if this just for publicity, she's going all out, all right? Uh, whatever this is, if it's, if it's a publicity stunt, give her all the credit for going completely uh, to the to the extra mile to, to make the games. Like, there's no amount of money you could pay me to sit up there in minus seven degree weather at a football game. 
I'm sorry. Couldn't do it. Uh, but but she did it, and, and maybe maybe it's real. Maybe it's all real. But whatever it is, like you already pointed out, is playing off very, very handsomely for everybody involved. Yes, there's a lot of money being made here. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have get a, a piece of it. The Karma is a South Beach Bitch Award goes to, in only his third week coaching Denver after talking shit about Nathaniel Hackett's coaching, Sean Payton leads Denver into Miami and gets beat 70-20. to 20. Nate Hackett never did that. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, hey, Aaron Rodgers, he wasn't wrong. All that shit you was talking about, Nate Hackett, he never got beat by Fitty. Didn't he do that. Did that. <laughs> That's definitely some karma for, for Sean Payton uh, for this season. The Dan Snyder Memorial Asshole Owner Award of the Year goes to Carolina owner David Tepper. That's the only person he could go to because he was just on fire this year. He decided Frank Reich was the problem 11 games into his tenure as head coach with a rookie quarterback. So he gets fired. The problem uh, actually is the owner is an impatient psychopath who fires coaches left and right. That's actually the uh, the real problem. And if you heckle him enough about it, as fans did in Jacksonville Week 17, he'll throw a drink on you. He, he's just uh, all around great guy, David Tepper. What a what a what a minch he is. Uh, Dan Snyder Memorial Asshole Owner of the Year, and I, I got a feeling that won't be the first time he wins that award. But yeah, we already crapped on their quarterback. Now we crapped on the owner. That that, that organization that that might be the worst one in the NFL. They are absolutely in contention for worst organization uh, in football. And that takes hard work. <laughs> it really does with, with some of those organizations. Uh, and now I would like to have a moment of silence. This is for the Fucked Around and Found Out Award winner. That would be 53-year-old Dale Mooney in Week 2, Miami at New England. He picked a fight in the stands with a Dolphins fan, caught a two-piece, hit the ground, pronounced dead at the hospital. Folks, it's just sports. It is not worth getting punched to your death having a feud about a sport. It's okay. You don't have to fight people, especially you're 53 years old. What are you doing fighting people in the stands, man? That's if you're gonna do it, do it when you're you know a teenager or something. Just there's no reason at all to do that. So, moment of silence for Dale Mooney. He's got a two piece and, and got knocked out and, and and dying for your team. Can you imagine? You go to a ball game and you and you don't and you don't leave alive. It's a sport. It's a game. What are you doing? Ugh. Thankfully, we we were never that uh, immature uh, for our uh, for our teams. Uh, no, no, we we've seen some things, but yeah, we yelled like some things at times, but we never got into yeah. anything like that. Correct. The WebMD Malpractice of the Year Award goes to the Cleveland Browns, who kept clearing quarterback Deshaun Watson to play, and he kept refusing, saying, I, I, "My shoulder doesn't feel good. I really don't think I should be playing football." And they kept saying, "Ah, oh, you're fine. We're clear. We we cleared you." We're, we keep examining you. We keep looking at you. It's fine. So then in Baltimore, week 10, Watson leads a miraculous comeback victory down uh, multiple points. He goes 14 for 14 in the second half, including running in a two-point conversion on a bad ankle. And after all of that, three days later, the team looks at his shoulder and says, oh, there's a broken bone in there. You're out for the year. What? Yeah. What? What? 
did I not tell you over and over again there's something wrong with my shoulder? I, I hope I hope the lawyers are on speed dial for that one because he kept telling y'all there's something wrong. Refused to listen. Uh, and as it turned out, there was absolutely something very wrong. But the the craziest part about that is that he does it after like his best game ever as a as a Cleveland Brown and like his heroic turn as a Brown leading a, a big comeback win in Baltimore. Then they just look at his shoulder three days later. Oh yeah, you, you got something broken in there. You, you gotta you gotta stop playing now. Yeah, and then they still made the playoffs. That team still won 11 games. Their $250 million quarterback barely played any of them. Crazy. Five yeah, different starting quarterbacks for that team this last year. That Weird. I'm glad you gave an award because the, that Cleveland story was just so weird and bizarre. To that Heckelin, Talk about Heckle and Jai, that Heckle and Jai defense with those home road splits. Um, yeah. That quarterback situation then bring it in Joe Flacco off the couch and, and he goes on, on on his little mini insanity run and that thing blows up in spectacular fashion in the playoffs just what a wacky season for the Cleveland Browns yep, the, the great Joe Flacco but very wacky uh, the Colt Heroes for Life award goes to two guys that I hope we don't ever have to think about again Tyson Bajant and Tommy DeVito who both played terrible in their backup quarterback opportunities, but for some reason caught the imagination of their idiot fan bases, the Bears and the Giants, respectively. Yes. Both guys, uh, Bajan, let's see, uh, three touchdowns, six interceptions, six yards per attempt. Uh, DeVito, eight touchdowns, three INT, 6.2 yards per attempt, uh, which is a great improvement over what he did when he first got a chance to get in there. Both guys are going to have crappy bar and grills in their respective hometowns for the rest of their <laughs> lives, and I'm happy for that, but I don't understand yeah. why they were popular to begin with because they were both bad. Yeah. Wherever Tyson Bajan's from, there will be a little sign that's, you know, when you drive into town that says that it's the home of NFL quarterback Tyson, Tyson Bajan. <laughs> that's going to be about the claim to fame. Maybe he, get, maybe he gets a, a high school gymnasium or something named after him, or, or who knows what. But uh, the don't even know what, what the, the shepherd shepherds. Did we figure out what team he ever played for? <laughs> no, doesn't matter. <sighs> doesn't and, yeah, matter. And it would be and it would be the the Bears fans though that would embrace him, right? Because he was the backup. He's better than Fields. It, well, uh, Collinsworth doesn't help it. Talking about uh, Fields could learn something about playing quarterback what? by watching Badgett. Oh my God, <laughs> that should have got diarrhea of the mouth. Actually, oh, how did I forget that for quote of the year? Oh man, <laughs> Chris Collinsworth, Tyson, Justin Fields needs to be watching Tyson Bajant film. Because <laughs> it was so idiotic. You're like, what? It was. <laughs> it was, and we and we gave that its proper roasting when it happened. We we certainly did. Um, and now with the uh, live show winding down, in the last minute, I would like to make my dismount by giving my coolest exit award because nobody exits and ducks a question like Mike Tomlin after a postseason playoff loss. Mike, you have a year left on your contract. See ya. <laughs> I'm out of here. Didn't say a word. I'm going home. Just, just left, as he should have. Leave. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, and that's it. 
that is all of our awards, and that is our 2023 honors Perfect and timing. dishonors. Wow. Yeah, how about it? Couldn't have, couldn't have done it perfectly. That's well, a good show. These are always good shows. You know, we get to commemorate everything that happened from the last season and commit it to memory. And, you know, it's for it's forever out there. Uh, the 2023 right. season, there, we've almost got the complete bow on it. Just one more game for all the marbles, for, for us and for the NFL. And, and you're keeping the suspense going. You are not uh, I'm, I'm trying. I mean, I kind of... I kind of buried the lead. Um, I, I threatened you last week, basically. So, I, I mean, right? I mean, it's basically what I did. Like, you better, or here's what's going to happen. Um, however, where I have to leave you in suspense, that's my Super Bowl pick. You have to make sure it's the right one. No. I, I, I picked the Niners to win the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, you mean the preseason. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you sure do. My only, my only option if I take the Chiefs is to get cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, God, and, with a, with a two-point spread. <laughs> Niners by one, baby. <laughs> I can't lose. You know what? I think it's going to be a very close game. It might wind up being a one-point game. Oh, my God. So, that would be awesome because a one-point game either way, I would win the title. Um, and boy, wouldn't it just be perfect that I could get the Niners to win the Super Bowl, but take the Chiefs but and the points, the point. <laughs> and, and so I get to see that Taylor Swift and Kelsey thing end with a loss, and I get my Super. That's the only way it can happen, too. Is so that that number needs to it just come on, get that to, get that to two and a half or get that to three because a um, push. I, I'll take a push. But you saw what happened to the to the spread when the you know the night that the the conference title games ended that it came out like San Fran by two or so and immediately all this Chiefs money started coming so it was actually at one for a while. Uh, yeah, and happens, it's, it's happens to be at two right now. Uh, it's at two again. It was at one yeah. and a half briefly. Um. So you're not getting two and a half or three because if anything, no, I feel like I by know. next Sunday it's going to go back down to like one. Yeah, let me take a look here. NFL odds, uh, we use MGM, and that's at one and a half right now. Um, mm-hmm. FanDuel, two and a half. Caesars and the other ones are all at two. So we'll we'll see we'll we'll see how that sneaks. But right now that uh, the, the line that we use is down to one and a half. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, and if enough Swifties uh, start discovering uh, betting accounts by next weekend, oh, it might get might get down even but lower. They're not than old that. enough. <laughs> Other uh, parents, maybe. Oh, okay. Mom, you need to lay twenty on the Snyder, on the Chiefs. You have to bet the Chiefs. You have to bet Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Taylor Swift said so. The psyop is working. <laughs> I need to lay it all out and put the mortgage on the Chiefs. That's right. Par- parlay all, with Biden. Parlay like with Black Biden Rock the is election. This whole thing to get everybody to lose their homes. <laughs> Got to parlay Chiefs and Biden. Uh, make, make that. <laughs> make that the you know, parlay. There's probably places where you can. Oh, do that. I know there is. I'm sure there's absolutely parlay Chiefs and Biden. Wow. Right. And I'm sure there's, there's no doubt there's uh, places you can bet that. I got Biden minus two and a half. <laughs> All 
so we will get to all of that next weekend, uh, all that goodness. Are we still uh, planning for a Super Bowl Sunday uh, uh, broadcast? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let, let's do like a, you know, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., something. Earlier the better. Um, okay. So maybe like a 9 a.m. Um, Sunday. I'll let you know if I change if anything's going on on Sunday and I just want to switch it to Saturday night, but I think it'd be kind of fun to just do it right on Super Bowl Sunday. Everything is fresh. Give our awards for championship weekend and, and the run up to the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, all the dramas with me right now, I get to make that pick. So we'll so see. You get all the pressure this year, although you pretty much have already made your pick. But anyway, I, I pretty much made. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I just gotta keep the. I just gotta keep a little bit of drama going here. But, um, you know, I, I, I there's only there's only one way to end this. I can't lose because if I pick the Chiefs and I lose the season to you because the Niners win, it, it's worth it. <laughs> but if I pick the Niners. And the Chiefs win, and and not only do I lose, but I lose to to that situation. Oh, see, I, I just can't. That's see. Plus, I also told you that that's what I was going to do. Yes. So, I know uh, we're in the after show now, but yeah, I, unless something dramatic happens, you know, uh-huh. uh, t- Travis Kelsey ruptures his Achilles or something oh. in 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 warmups, um, or Patrick Mahomes' uh, dad gets another. Oh wait, that actually oh. happened. <laughs> Uh, Patrick Mahomes will hopefully not be affected by that because he should be used to his dad getting DUIs by then. Yeah, it's a Super Bowl tradition. It's a tradition unlike any other. (laughs) Apparently. Uh, So that's the uh, backdrop for us uh, doing our show next weekend, making the pick for the Super Duper Bowl. Jay is laying it all on the line. He's got to be the one to make the pick. He's not going to be sweating it like I have been sweating it in past years. He basically knows what he's going to do, but you have to tune in next week to find out for sure. All right. Uh, unless you have anything else, I think we're, we're done. No, I'm good. That was a good show. Uh, my wife was already texting me to, to, to tone it down because my son was having trouble sleeping. So <laughs> his bedroom is right um, above where I am sitting. So uh, fortunately she sent me that text right when you took over. So okay. I was, a little, you know, a little toned it down a little bit more for the second half of the show because I do want my kids to get a good night's sleep. Well, look at you. You're being a good father. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> all right. Everybody, enjoy your last week before the big game and all the leading up to the big game this week. And we will join you Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Eastern, to give you your big preview of the big game Uh, unless uh, plans change. But, of course, you know where to keep up with us uh, on Twitter and uh, if you're subscribed to the podcast. And you'll be able to see exactly when we'll be going live and be able to tune in there, which I'm sure your mother is already uh, subscribed to all of that. She seems to be right on top of uh, every show that we do. So we're very well, she always texts. She always texts me during the week and asks when the show is. So ah, okay. She always knows when the show is going to be. And then when the show was over, she sent me a text and said, "Good show." I'm like, well, thanks, <laughs> thanks, mom. Like, that's great. That's, that's great to have that that backup, that support. All right, next Sunday morning, nine a.m. Central, ten a.m. Eastern, Super Duper Bowl preview show, and of course, recapping Championship Sunday. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been 
the IMLD 2023 Honors and Dishonors show. Hopefully you enjoyed our awards. And join us next weekend to preview the big game, Chiefs 49ers. We'll have all the action right here, and we'll talk to you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.